This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. This series of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, is brought to you by Smart Nutrition Map plus MST. Experience the latest, most efficient fertilizer system for delivering sulfur and phosphate to your crops when they need it. Learn how to boost your soil's performance and maximize ROI with Smart Nutrition Map plus MST at smartnutritionmst.com. Hi, my name is Alex Bernard. I'm an associate editor for Top Crop Manager, and I'm speaking today with... Jeff Schadel. I am a professor of soil fertility in the Department of Soil Science in the College of Agriculture and Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. And I also hold the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture Chair in Soil Nutrient Management. Fantastic. So today we're talking about sulfur. What role does sulfur play in soil and plant health? Well, sulfur is is an essential plant macronutrient. And it's required by plants in about the same amount as phosphorus, maybe slightly less, depending on the species. But uh, sulfur is certainly an important part of plant physiology. It's a a part of sulfur-containing amino acids, namely methionine and cysteine. Those amino acids are needed in in protein synthesis, part of enzymes, certain vitamins, and and other compounds. So basically, without sulfur, you won't get many of the key plant components produced that are, are needed in the physiology of the plant. Very important then. Indeed, indeed. Sometimes it's, you know, people have referred to sulfur as, as the forgotten macronutrient and maybe think about the big three, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, but, but certainly sulfur is very, very important. Yeah, you hear all about N, P, and K. Right, right. Do certain crops have higher sulfur needs? Yeah, certainly, you know, sulfur requirements of different crops differ, and and the one that comes to mind as a high sulfur requirer are brassicae crops. Like canola, they have a a high requirement for sulfur due to their physiology. So brassicae crops do have a high content of the sulfur-containing molecules that are are used in their physiological functioning. Forage legumes, too, like like alfalfa, for example, can remove a a lot of sulfur from the soil. Even crops like like cereals and also uh, pulses may respond to sulfur fertilization under highly deficient conditions. And I guess, you know, thinking about where is the sulfur located in a mature crop plant, for an annual crop, the distribution of sulfur between the seed and the straw is about 50-50. So about 50% of the sulfur, for example, in canola crop is in the seed, which is harvested. So we do need to be cognizant of crop removal as an output of sulfur from the uh, soil plant system. Okay. How would you go about detecting sulfur deficiency in a crop? Well, I guess, you know, when it comes to detecting sulfur deficiency, like, you know, detecting deficiencies in general, the visual inspection is a good first clue, followed by confirmation using a a tissue test or a soil test. In terms of deficiency symptoms, sulfur deficiency can produce deficiency symptoms actually quite similar to nitrogen. And that's not surprising because uh, both sulfur and nitrogen are required for proteins. So the kind of symptoms that we see under sulfur deficiency, as I said, can look uh, rather similar to nitrogen. We can get a yellowing or chlorosis, sometimes a purpling. The big difference, though, between sulfur and nitrogen deficiency symptoms is where they occur on the plant. With nitrogen deficiency symptoms, they tend to occur first and worst on the older plant parts at the bottom because the nitrogen's mobile. 
But with sulfur symptoms, they tend to occur in the younger leaves, closer to the top of the plant, because sulfur is not highly mobile in the upward direction. So sometimes that can be useful in, in sorting out between the two. Also sometimes, and canola is another good example of this, where you sometimes may also see cupping of the leaves as another more characteristic symptom of sulfur deficiency. I guess I would say, you know, when it comes to soil testing, uh, sulfur can be, be kind of difficult to reliably soil test for. And not because there's a problem with the actual test itself, but because of the high variability in available sulfur that can exist across, across fields. So, you know, here in, in Western Canada, for example, in Saskatchewan, we may find in a field available sulfur may range from 5 pounds per acre of available sulfate on a knoll to over 5,000 pounds per acre in a depression where you've got toe-slope salinity and discharge of sulfate salts. Because uh, salts that cause salinity here in Western Canada are sulfate salts. Even if you've got a little bit of, of salinity, that uh, tells you that you've got lots and lots of sulfate. So... Composite sampling where cores are combined from many different areas in the field and then bulked together may not tell you that much. You may get a skewed result. And that's why it's, it's probably better to do zone-based sampling for sulfur. And also I would say, good idea too to go deep occasionally to check for subsoil sulfates that may be present maybe around that 12 to 24 inch depth, especially in drier environments like the brown and the dark brown soils here on, on the prairies, because that sulfate at depth can also contribute to available sulfur to the plant because it can move with water going to the roots. Okay, good to know. Would the timing of sulfur fertilization really impact how much the plant can take up or what it takes up? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so as I said, you know, sulfate is mobile, quite mobile in the soil. And so it is possible, for example, if you do detect a, a deficiency of sulfur in a, in, a, in a growing crop, like a growing canola crop, uh, if you apply a sulfate form on the surface broadcast and get some rain, that sulfate then uh, can uh, allow that canola crop to, to recover well from the uh, sulfur deficiency, even if it's applied fairly late in, the, in, the growth, in, in, in its growth cycle. Okay. And sulfate, is, is that the natural form, or will any sulfur fertilization compost? Certainly, I think, you know, an important consideration in, in sulfur fertility management is, is the sulfur fertilizer form. And uh, we note that plant roots absorb sulfur in the form of sulfate, mm -hmm. the sulfate anion. And there are different forms of sulfur out there that differ in their plant availability over time. And those different sulfur forms have different fits in a fertility program. For example, you know, soluble sulfate forms like ammonium sulfate, they contain sulfur in that immediately plant available form of sulfate. And uh, that's what we would want to use when we need sulfur available right away. And sulfate is mobile, so it is possible that the excess sulfate could potentially be leached uh, out of the root zone under some conditions. The other form out there that, that, that we commonly see are elemental sulfur forms. And they contain sulfur in slowly available form. The elemental S itself is, is insoluble. It's not leachable. But it does require oxidation by the soil microbes to sulfate in order to be rendered plant available. And, and sometimes this can be kind of a slow and unpredictable process. It is desirable to have some very small, that is, micron-sized elemental sulfur particles produced from dispersion, as those small particle sizes will oxidize faster. So I guess the elemental S is more of a long-term sulfur supply that needs a lead time for conversion. Okay. What would you recommend that growers know about sulfur fertilization or sulfur in general? Well, I think, as I said, 
fact that there are different sulfur fertilizer forms out there that behave differently. It's quite variable across the field. And, and I guess I would say that many producers out here in, in Western Canada have been They've been successful in maintaining or even building the sulfur fertility of their soils by adding sulfur fertilizer needed by crops, according to soil tests, for example, and, and looking also towards replacing that, that sulfur which is removed in crop harvest. So some of the sulfur fertilizer that we do add, it enters into the soil organic matter and it can be slowly released to crops by, by mineralization. And so I would say my general observation has been we're not seeing as much severe sulfur deficiency as we did decades ago. And I think this is a result of producers uh, paying more attention to, to sulfur fertility and also using uh, farming practices, land management practices like no-till that, that are helping to build up organic matter in the soil and also building up that sulfur supplying power of the soil. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff. Great. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.